0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. want you to think about the uh, times that you've been out in on vacation and you've gone to a different city a different country uh, somewhere uh, outside of of what you know and you end up uh, going to this this quaint little place uh, this nice little bar this nice little restaurant that is the thing that you come back and talk to your friends about that whenever you tell that story of the time that you were whatever place that you went to that makes it into the story because it was had the charm it it was quaint it it was exciting it was uh, interesting it was fun it was uh, an experience like no other a lot of the times those places are small businesses and, and this is across the world this is not something that just happens in the United States across the world a lot of these places have the character of the small business owner and right now there is um, a threat here to places that provide that kind of experience and so all that we're asking of you right now is to uh, get involved and the simplest way to get involved is to just go on to um, thirst uh, group the uh, website and i'll put a link to this and just sign up for the updates right just put your email in there and uh, sign up for the updates that would be the first step and then after that get involved as much as you can as much or, or as little let's go ahead and meet dave castleman as well as nate casablanca's there with uh, thirst group which is uh, an independent um, advocacy, uh, group for independent restaurants and, uh, hospitality, uh, businesses, small businesses to ensure that insurance companies, uh, provide the protection that these small businesses paid for. Sounds
1: good. Um, so I, uh, I'm from Southeastern Michigan. I, uh, didn't really have a game plan coming out of high school, Uh, played a lot of Mario Kart during high school because they came out with the TSs. So, you know, we got to play that in class. Ended up going to culinary school because I was like, I worked in a restaurant already. And I was like, whatever, this sounds fun. You know, Um, went to culinary school, uh, then ended up cooking for nine years. And it took me a long time to realize, like, yeah, I just it's not my thing. I'm not into this, you know. So I was real miserable. So I had to knew some friends that worked at a restaurant uh where i was living and kind of went there with the goal of like well being back of the house for a long time i at least know that servers make you know more money than i do and i'll do that until i figure out my next step and then uh started doing some some things uh front of the house there, helping out the bar ended up needing some help one day and i kind of jumped behind there you know and i was fortunate to uh be back there with a the very passionate and fun uh crew who just really cared about what they were doing and i saw that side of it and you know realized that bartending was everything i liked about cooking and it, nothing i didn't like about it so it's kind of where i started bartending and then fast forward uh, i guess five years or six years uh where i'm at now at pacific rim in ann arbor um started there started bartending and the bartender or bar manager rather moved on and i uh yeah, I was thankfully kind of bumped up and that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Nice, nice. What about you, Nate?
2: Yeah. Uh, military brat. Mostly grew up in, in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, started, graduated high school and went down to University of Texas and, and studied music and I was a classical musician. Tough pianist. Um, that was my first love. Um, then I did a bunch of crazy shit after that, so I, I wasn't good enough to be a real, real classical pianist, so I decided to go work in science. Used to work in, in Houston at Baylor Medical School. The Human Genome Project for a few years, doing medical research. Um, so I wanted to do something different. Ended up moving to Washington, D.C., uh, and went to law school. So yeah, I went to law school there, um, but always kind of uh, you know wanted a couple different things. I think the first was I wanted to try, try out living in New York so graduated in the middle of the crisis, didn't know where I was doing. Uh, sold an old Mesa Boogie Mark III amplifier I had, which was worth a fair bit of money at the time, and used it to move to New York City. Um, finally got a, a job practicing law, and uh, you know, went worked for some large law firms up there, and worked for Goldman Sachs, And but the whole time I always wanted to do something on my own, and so um, discovered Brazilian music which I always loved and that led me to the world of Cachaca and then that led me to found a little brand called Aboa Cachaca and then that led me to the industry and I was like, holy shit where you been all my life?
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. And,
2: uh, yeah. and then I became basically a brand ambassador for about five years and traveled pretty much full time throughout all the US, Europe, South America slang and booze and, um, and so, yeah, when all this happened, uh, you know, that yeah, I was working, you know, in brand work for, or for our company and, uh, you know, when all this stuff started to go down, I started to reach out to bars, friends that own bars and restaurants and just give them some legal advice, like help them renegotiate leases and own covenants. And I said, holy shit, this is pretty serious. Yeah. And uh, and that
0: led to thirst. <laughs> awesome. So here I am playing,
2: in, playing in insurance solutions too.
0: <laughs> you guys are the perfect representation of the industry because your, your path to the industry are so completely different. And again, that goes back to that whole thing of the, the richness of the environment of a bar or restaurant, because you have all of these Absolutely. people with, absolutely completely path to that place and and yet at that place they have the same objective right the hospitality that what however it is that that establishment provides it right whether it's restaurant or bar and and it's great that you're using your experience to start something that it's uh, it's long overdue and so I think that the, the the representation and the advocacy from uh, the restaurant industry um, it's a good time to to start it. <laughs> if it's not during a pandemic, I don't know when <laughs> is the, uh, the aha moment.
2: I think Earth really started out of you know from my perspective out of seeing what was going to happen in the industry after COVID, right. I mean, when we first started to see those orders drop March 12th, March 15th, it just kept coming and coming and coming. And I think, you know, sitting there on the sideline and, and realizing that what this meant is that all these bars and restaurants that I work with every day is a spot that I that basically they were going to go under, right? And I think that a, a lot of us were feeling pretty much more optimistic about it early on. And then it just became clear that you know, a bar restaurant can't be shut down for that long, right? It can't be shut down. I mean, two months is one thing, but then you start to open and shut and open and shut, and um, and so I mean, I think that's really where we find ourselves in an industry. It's like it's this amazing national, global group of people who you know are really warm and you know that devote their lives to hospitality for other people, and they're being put in this position where they are the guinea pigs for society. I mean, they. By they, I mean we. And what can society do to make sure that at the end of this, that community is still there?
0: I mean, this this COVID is not even a year old, right? Yeah. And for scientists, yeah. and scientists have been yeah, studying absolutely. the flu for a hundred years. So that said what what are the plans i mean how what what are the objectives of the uh, of thirst
2: i mean i think first and foremost this industry which has grown by leaps and bounds over the past 15 or 20 years and has not opened up conversations in the right way with the people that make our laws right the people who say how you know we have to we have to open and close and that's really the fundamental thing we're trying to fix like let's make sure that the people that work in this industry are being put in front of state and federal lawmakers so that they can understand the position that we're being put in. And that, you know, from Thur's perspective, is very much about like fixing uh, a problem in the insurance market that like really exacerbates the problem. But I think it's it's a wider thing. It's like, hey, listen, let's have, you know, somebody from Houston walk into John Whitmire's office or or Judith Zaffarini's office in South Austin, or, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, um, and tell the story about what it means to work in hospitality. And more importantly than what it means to work in hospitality, the economic impact of this $1 trillion industry that employs 15 million people, and say, like, as a lawmaker, as a society, that's something we have to we have to make sure is here after COVID stops.
0: So, what about you, Dave? Uh, How did you come to get involved with uh, with thirst, and why?
1: Well, well, I mean, honestly, you know, especially to what both of you were speaking about earlier. I mean, you know. Well, I guess what really first got me started was I was reading a book, uh, called, we've got people by Ryan Grimm. You know, he's a reporter on the intercept and just, uh, it was a history from Jesse Jackson and the rainbow movement to Ocasio Cortez. And a lot of it had to do with grassroots organization and how that started, you know, what that could achieve. And I was feeling, you know, helpless with everything going on. You know, this is early on during the, 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 the pandemic during the first closures and, uh, I just happened to listen to an episode of the Speakeasy podcast uh, with Southern Teague. And, uh, you know, Maxwell was on there um, from New York in our group and uh, just listening to him. And I was just I zoned in on that. And I was like, great, this is something that I can just try to do. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, just I emailed Nate and I was like, look, I have no experience doing any of this. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I I want to do something. And that's kind of what, uh, you know, what got me what got me going and not to mention that as every day that went by it became very clear very early on that we I mean the federal government is not you know looking out for us does not have our best interests in mind and so you know we're left to to just we have to do something because no no one's going to help out you know there's a lot of this you know early on like well we just need to make it through 2020 2021 is going to get better and it's just very clear that that's uh, that that's a gamble that i'm not willing to take i mean it's just it's more about just actively trying to help out and go talk to people and i mean you know like nate was saying i mean a big part of this is just the testimonial aspect of it where you're related in your life story how <clears throat> excuse me uh our role as individuals and in, in bars and restaurants and our the impact on society You know, as a whole, I mean, people went, what, three months without a whole lot of social interactions and they were going crazy. And where does a lot of that happen? At bars and restaurants. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, you took that part out of the equation and everybody was going stir crazy. You know and for obvious reasons but I mean it just goes to show the importance of what we do as an industry and how we don't look at these uh, you know we don't look at people as customers look at them as guests we are we are providing an experience we are bringing them under one roof to talk to each other and just you know have that social experience I mean after so long of being uh, separate or separated from other people I mean it just became very clear that this is huge what we do is huge and it's getting underreported it's or just not reported at all and and again no support is coming so i mean there's feeling of helplessness a lot of anxiety because of it and just wanting to like okay i've got to put my foot in the ground and start doing something
0: so as dave just pointed out restaurants and bars are part of the community um we have that in every community there's a place that people congregate to if you're from houston and you have um you are familiar with the East End, you know that we have places like Champs Burger. That place has been there 50 years. That place is, uh, is, is a place that, that people, neighbors, when I say neighbors, I don't mean just the person next door. I mean the, the person from your area of town, from, your, uh, uh, from your, the entire community. That's where you, you meet you sync up with some people because you just happen to have the same schedule. That place has been there 50 years. And so that is very much a part of the community because there are a lot of memories that families from this area have in that place. And there are other places like that in this area, but you can even throw in there the the gentrified restaurants that come in because those places are kind of like the same thing. You know, people move in. They buy the the brand new uh, townhomes on that first phase and then they have really nothing to do in this area because you know it's either family oriented so it closes early or they just don't feel comfortable in the local spots. Then you have these restaurants that pop up fancy restaurants that give that new community a place to congregate and get to know their their neighbors. really in all the full spectrum of society we see restaurants and bars having the same function
2: yeah i fundamentally at the end of the day we have to create an army of people right and we are not people who are used to being an army in this sense but it has to happen right At, at the end of the day you we, if we love the industry that much, that has to happen. And the way that we look at it is, let's let's use classic citizen advocacy techniques, right? You you know, the one thing that amazes me about the industry is how many. Like, if you're in Houston, you know people in Dallas, you know people in Washington D.C., you know people in London, you know people in you know Hong Kong who come to your bar, right? They come to downtown Houston and they go you know, out and have a drink and you meet them, right? That's part of living in this, in this big cities. And at the end of the day, that system or that community of that's national can be leveraged to create that army. And specifically how we look at that is we have basically, you know, state organizers on behalf of thirst. It's two or three people per state who take on trying to, you know, push this particular issue forward. And the particular issue we're really working towards is like, let's get our insurers to pay out the claims that need to have, need to get out. And And we can delve into that. But how it works mechanically is those state organizers, they have support from a bunch of law students. And those law students create big lists of everybody within the Texas state, you know, Senate or the Texas uh, lower house. And they say, who sits on the committees that regulate insurance. And we make a list and we say, okay, cool. On this committee that regulates insurance is, you know, Senator John Whitmire, who is in Montrose, the Heights, you know, right around Houston. Judith Zapparini, South Austin down to Laredo, you know, uh, Menendez in San Antonio. And we look at that and we say, okay, well, who do we know who's, we're in those districts? Well, in, you know, John Whitmire's district, Scott has got repassed from Poison Girl, you know, is he was really passionate about it. He decided to take on acting as we call a community organizer. And he's one of the and, and basically they help rally people in their you know, local communities to be part of this army. It gets called upon not often, but from time to time, to help pressure the legislative process. And we do it not just in downtown Houston, but San Antonio in South Austin in Nacogdoches, in where Dave is at in, in Ann Arbor, in you know, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, in Richmond, Virginia, in Sacramento, in you know, San Francisco. And the thing is, our community is so big and it's so passionate. It just has to be given, in my belief, the tools to help ride that wave, that tidal wave asking about how to fix the industry. It just needs and it really just needs to be shown how and part of that's using this this system and then you know it's like at the end of the day when you have these state organizers with community organizers and then they start to talk with their legislators we also help provide the lobbying materials and the legal tools to help them persuade a lawmaker that they need to take these concerns seriously and there's something very specific they can do about it which is pass, you know xyz piece of model legislation and here's a legislative memo prepared by some lawyers who that person would respect to try and get this passed into law.
0: So now the current uh, legislation that you're looking for is basically for insurers to be able to pay the claims that uh, bar owners um, pay them for, basically. Is that correct? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, so the issue thirst is really advocating for it has comes down to this thing called business interruption insurance and if you have a bar or restaurant you know that bar restaurant has a few different types of insurance they have to pay for property insurance liability insurance workman's comp in many states health insurance and in many situations not all situations but on those property insurance you pay a bunch of money tens sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years such that if your spot is closed down in a way that you didn't expect you get paid out the lost profits right so if you have to be shut down for a month two months three months you get those lost profits that you can use to keep that business alive and fundamentally like you know make sure that the people who work for that business are okay and make sure that the business is okay when COVID happened none of those payments went out like none across the entire United States pretty much categorically denied by almost every single insurer. And they did it for you know, some uh, their own reasons. But fundamentally, we view that as being like, if that insurance isn't paid out, you're going to start to see closures happening all over the place. Now, we're looking at, a, at numbers that are talking about 40% failure rates sixty percent failure rates. Sometimes as much as the IRC says eighty five percent of bars and restaurants independent bars and restaurants might fail. <laughs> if you think about that and the human impact that has, and the fact that changing something like an insurance law could help help, you know, reduce that human impact, this thing it becomes really, really important. And that's I think what jazzes me personally about this and really what we're trying to get done because if you take, if you said every bar and restaurant in Houston, 40% of the independent ones are going to fail. And if somehow like insurance payments, insurance companies paid out what they owed, what they alleged, the in, you know, allegedly owed the bars and restaurants, if you could reduce that failure rate down to 20%, mm-hmm. that is tens of thousands of jobs. If you look at that nationally, that's millions of jobs. Forty-one percent represents six point one five million jobs across
0: the United States. Oh wow! I think, you know, again, that's that's the reason I feel strongly about this is because that's six million jobs, six million people providing for themselves, for their families, um, for their communities. Right, um, we saw this in, in back in May whenever they somehow thought that the twelve hundred dollars was people were going to go and, and spend it on luxury items. And my thought was, yeah, people working retail are going to use that to pay their bills, to go out to eat, to you know, do whatever it is that they have to do. The money cycles through, and when you saw they, the numbers came out in June. It was like, yeah, the economy was better off because of it. And so I see this as an extension of that because uh, two different things. One is obviously people need the money to pay for the rent and pay for their food and, and the, the very basics. The other part is when you talk to me about independent bar owners and restaurant owners, these are people that put their their savings um, on this that worked really hard to get to open that small little business with two, three employees, right? And and grow it to whatever it is that they're able to grow it to. And yet they get abandoned. Um, yep. You know, we can point out a lot of in large industries that get billions and billions of dollars of subsidies in, uh, over the years in addition to bailouts whenever they, they fuck something up.
3: You obviously have much more money than I do. I've never never noticed boating season, really. I I don't even know what boating season is, to be honest. I don't know if you stop hunting them at some point, or if they're under 20 feet, you throw it back. I don't know. I would like to have a boat. That sounds nice. There are people, a lot of money up in Seattle now with Amazon and Microsoft. People are getting big boats, getting yachts. Uh, I was recently introduced to the term mega-yacht. Somebody had parked one off the shore of Seattle. It was a mega-yacht that was worth $110 million. Right? You can't even wrap your brain around that. However, I think the most fascinating part of it was that just to fill it with fuel costs $400,000. Right? Because I've I've been on a boat before when it's pulled up to, like, one of those little gas docks. You can't do that with that sort of thing. You just pull up there, hey, what's up? How's it going, man? Cool. You got gas? Sweet. I'm going to need all your gas. (laughs) All of it. Do you have friends with gas? Call them, too. I'm going to need all the gas you have. Do I press debit? How does this work? It's 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 $400,000. You can't negotiate. I have gold. Will you take gold? I just. just have a big bag of gold that's what i you don't take gold but you take discover that's weird okay
2: <laughs> i mean well i'd say two things and one to your point dave castleman like we live in a democracy right and what a democracy fundamentally means is that the cavalry is not coming unless you make it come, right yep. yeah And you can look at that in a disheartening way, or you can look at that in an empowering way. If you look at it in an empowering way, that means you have to ride like Paul fucking Revere to make sure that the cavalry actually rides and and saves your ass, you know? And that to me is is fundamentally where I think the industry sits right now. Like, I view it as we have 15 million people who are passionate, loyal, hospitable, warm people that create communities and many of them are feeling dangerously disheartened where they're sitting right now. And they're feeling like they can't do shit. But at the end of the day, like there is shit they can do. It's just they have to, it's about taking that disaffection and channeling it towards a productive use, right? And you know, there'll always be people who want to do the short shift, right? That's always going to be the case through everywhere, every industry. It's not just ours, but there are enough people who I think will stand up and say, "Like this is not right. This needs to change." And find a way to go to people to to, to the to the lawmakers and explain why they should care. And you know, maybe they care on a human basis. Like maybe they care because they're good people. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Right? It's like any. Maybe they care because you say, "Look at 1968 after the riots. Look at downtown Washington D.C. after the 1968 riots. and the thriving middle-class African-American community on U Street, they still live there in the 2000s. Thriving and an amazing, like you know, Duke Ellington grew up there. Like you know, it's it's this you know group of intellectuals and 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 middle-class African-American people, and then the riots happened and that shit was burned out." For 35 years, you could have had 35 years of wealth and prosperity and like great small businesses, which is exactly what's there now. Or you can let it happen, and that's what that that's what COVID might let make happen if nobody makes sure that these bars and restaurants survive, because bars and restaurants they employ people, they increase property taxes. They allow opportunities for all this mixed-use development to come in. You know, they, they they provide, they make tech startups want to come in and be there because you can go out and, like, have a cheeky drink at the end of the day. Like, there's an epic amount of benefit to the bar and restaurant industry that is not even accounted for, that, in that $1 trillion. And that, to me, is the thing, is the story that our community needs to On an individual basis start having with our lawmakers to show them because you've got to make somebody care you got to sell them on it otherwise you know why?
0: yeah so i I don't
2: care let somebody sells me on it you know like
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is is your special right now (laughs) this is what's on the menu basically because i think that um, yeah, absolutely (laughs) i think it has to be um uh patience is one thing that is necessary here. And the other one is to realize that you are part of that story. Uh, I I think that even if you're the person that goes in, does your shift, gets your money and goes home, you have to accept that you're part of somebody's story because especially when you've been in a a bar or restaurant for a long time, those people come to see you, whether you realize it or not, whether it's, it's just you or just your hospitality because this is, again, the place where they meet. This is the the place where they feel the most comfortable to come and spend their money, spend their time, bring their family, bring their friends. These things are are critical to any community, and I think that that if if we're able to get enough people in the industry to attach themselves to that story, to realize that they are part of that story, then we can get some some movement, uh, some motion in in this. Ability to just have a voice because that's all that Restaurants depend on a lot of vendors that um, Are suffering are hurting right now because bars and restaurants are open or they're open to limited capacity or just because of the fact that Many people are not going out. They don't feel safe That goes into a different thing, which we won't talk about in this episode Uh, but this is something that is important to the industry because this payment that these insurance companies, all these so small businesses can make that bridge, can create that bridge between now and then, meaning then whenever we are fully reopened, which may be as far as spring or next summer. But it also allows those businesses to make decisions and have the the, the available uh, finances to make transitions if, if, if necessary.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting you were saying that earlier because make it part of, make make, be a part of a guest story. So we have these two organizers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Cecil, Kat, Cecil um, Usher and Kat Kemen. And Kat was sitting here talking to one of her regulars who she's friends with and she's like I'm doing this thing called thirst you know blah 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 and the guy perks up and he's like hey wait you, you know I'm a lawyer right and she's like yeah I guess I knew that like a your wedding and he's like here's what I want to do for you I want to give my time pro bono to your organization to help you guys file a brief in federal court on behalf of the small bar and restaurant, who, you know, community, who say to take an action in some of this this particular litigation, right? And this dude, in the span of three days, said, "Okay, cool, I'm going to do this." I talked to him. We brought him on board. and his partners spent 24 hours drafting up an Amicus Curiae brief, which they then fi- we are filing in federal court today on behalf of our our industry
0: oh wow so this is that, fresh this
2: is fresh. as of today it's being filed as we speak and my point being is that that came about because amanda carto from nickel city i was talking to she's like you need to talk to Cecil and cat i talked to Cecil and cat they're like we want to start doing this in pennsylvania and then they gave such an amazing experience to, the, to East End Trial Group Kevin Abramovitz and um, and, and the other Kevin that they were like you know what I love the industry so much I've had so many amazing times I'm going to donate you know, many thousands of dollars of legal services to make sure that you have some stuff in federal court and that's not just CAT that has that power you know everybody who's ever served a badass drink has that power
0: hey, we need to have a voice to business owners and then, yeah. you know, extend that. But it's like I know for a fact there are plenty of uh, patrons out there that firmly believe that we are underrepresented and they would gladly uh, partake in, in this effort.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say in, in, in the past, like it, to me, this has been an, an amazing experience getting involved because in the past month i've had you know trial lawyers like these send law group donate their time i've had other lawyers who are insurance experts donate their time to help us craft groups we've had people on on capitol hill be like hey listen we're going to help you guys we're going to join our organization a guy named Grayson alexander worked in capitol hill for a long time he's like i'm going to teach all your members how to talk to the legislators you know, we've had think tanks in DC come on board. I've had the COO of a top five advertising agency come on board and be like, I am going to help you guys craft messaging that's gonna like get out into the world. You know, and I think a lot of us are sitting in the bar or at home being like, fuck all those good times I gave everybody,
1: nobody gives a shit. And I'm here to say you're fucking wrong. People do give a shit. I mean, you will find someone. You just need to network through people you know and find people who care who are just frustrated. Right. I mean, that that's been huge, especially for for, for me because I'm not like a well known. I mean, I'm not a well known bartender in Michigan. No one knows me. So it's a, it was just about talking to the right people. Get your your reps on board. Your brand reps. Your you know whether it's a distributor rep. I mean, they've got. You know, they're not terribly busy right now compared to what they usually are, and they care. So going through them to meet people that they also service, that's been huge. So it's all very accessible. It's all within reach. You just have to start the conversation. That's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, all bartenders are unknown, man. I mean, at very best, you're bar famous. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 absolutely.
1: But I mean, I'm not, you know, I, uh, yeah, 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 I just, um. I'm just,
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) and then. No,
1: I
2: appreciate that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Soccer's had trouble catching on in the U.S. the way it has with the rest of the world is that we like our athletes to just be genetic freaks. (laughs) So that when we watch it, we're like, well, I'll never be that big or that muscular. So I don't even have to try. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Where's that cheese blizzard I was working on? <laughs> and you can actually even watch other sporting events with a girl and feel okay about yourself. You can watch the NFL and be like, sweetheart, would you like it if I was, you know, 6'6", six, six, 250 pounds? Would you even want that? No, that's too big. That's no, I
0: That's
3: too many muscles. We couldn't fit on the couch for me. <laughs> Watch and Anatomy, you'd scare the cat. <sighs> you watch the NBA with a girl, sweetheart. Would you like it if I was, you know, six foot eight like that guy? Would you want that? No, that's too tall. It's too tall. Because <laughs> we like to spoon, and that'd just be like, I'd be like a spoon and a and a ladle. <laughs> just, yeah. But if you try watching soccer with a girl. They're like, sweetheart, would you like it if I was, you know, 6% body fat, had a faux hawk, spoke Italian? Sweetie. Yeah, I really would, actually. <laughs> I'm just saying, you could do it. You guys are the same height. <laughs> Six years older than you. <laughs> he looks great. No, finish your burrito. I'm glad you like burritos. I'm just, just saying. He probably doesn't get winded when we make out.
0: So, it's
3: fair point. That's a good point. Uh, and then <laughs> no, I appreciate that they, they, they
1: guys I mean I uh, a big uphill battle for me was trying to network with all of a sudden I'm trying to contact these people at these different districts that Nate mentioned earlier, uh, are you know, are represented by the insurance committee. And I'm looking at all of these are so I know literally nobody, yeah. out there <laughs> professionally or or personally. And even you know, Detroit's a big uh, you know, cocktail city, especially over the last you know, several years. It's really blown up and i go down there to enjoy it but i realized like wow i haven't bothered to to really make any firm you know have any real conversation with i guess any of them on a personal level outside of my experiences there so it was kind of like yeah i need to i need to get on board with that but i don't know just it's grassroots on, on the ground level and i think a bigger part is it's we're organizing nationally but it's on the state level where this is taking place you were talking to you know, the state representatives, people who are, I mean, you know, it's easy to get discouraged by the whole Washington machine idea, but I mean, these are people who represent you in their state. They live in your community. You know, it's, it's, there is a very, it's very much like there are people that you would see walking through who have sat your borough before and you didn't even know them before they were elected. I mean, it is, yeah. that's what to, 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 to me really makes it more accessible and just gives me much more optimism is that, I mean, you know, it's,
2: I mean, it's, it's interesting what you're saying because part of the reason we all get in hospitality is we love the good fields right
0: yeah we love
2: the i mean love the fun we love the camaraderie we love like the warmth of community like the three girls kind of jumping up and, up and down and you know i kind of compare but every time you go into a fight you got to like center and think what am i fighting Right? you fight for good things. You don't fight against bad things. You say like what 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 am I going to battle for? And the reality is I think we all have to center and say this is what we are going to battle for. We're going to battle for that that inclusive warm feeling of like you go into a restaurant, you got every fucking type of person under the sun. And I'm not saying I'm just diversity issues in the, in the bar and restaurant world, but fundamentally like it is one of the more open places I've ever worked in my entire life. And, I, and to me, what I think I try and compare this to is like, hey, you know you want to fight. You know you want to fight for all these people you love and you care about. Let me teach you jujitsu. Right. That's what third is trying to do. Let me teach you jujitsu, And at least you can go out. At least we can all go out and, like, defend ourselves together.
0: Right. And is that something you do every day, getting in a fight? But whenever you do, you're prepared for it. So out of everything that we've been talking about, one thing to, again, press uh, and make sure that we don't forget is that this is an impact to communities. There are so many people that are uh, involved in being part of making sure that the cocktail that you have in front of you or the plate of food that you have in front of you uh, gets there in the manner in which the particular establishment intended it to. Um, you know, there is a small farms, there are the people that deliver uh, those uh, items, um, food items or and even some of those small farms work with craft cocktail bars they, they might deliver um, seasonal fruits, uh, seasonal herbs. Uh, you know there's so many different things right that that he, we have been able to play around with in the last few years but the thing is is that uh, there's the person that does the cleaning at night as a cleaning crew and that might be a separate small business um, there is again all the delivery people uh, the, the from liquor stores from produce from um, the uh, linen company um, there is uh, obviously, everything else that goes with it is like commercial air conditioning, commercial um, dishwashers, commercial uh, refrigerators, uh, commercial ice. Um, they're so, again, they're, they're different moving parts of this. And everything that is, has happened to the restaurant and bars right now is affecting all of them because the majority of their revenue comes from us. So then, what is the real effect of the slowdown? What is the real effect to major business centers? During the shutdown, a lot of major cities uh, found themselves pretty desolate. People weren't going downtown. Obviously, businesses were closed. Um, A lot of, uh, if not all, offices uh, kept their employees at home and, and told them to work from there and because of that demand people found solutions to the issue of working from home um, we saw zoom skyrocket in popularity and we saw people uh, figure out ways to balance um, work and, and, and home life and, uh, and remote working what that has done is basically it's hit all of those businesses that are downtown thousands of people that normally travel to downtown in new york san francisco chicago and here in houston texas they're not doing that right now and so the restaurants the coffee shops the uh the bars that people go to happy hour after afterwards the um the shoe repair shop the cleaners the um jewelry shop you know if you you found the perfect job and the perfect girl at the same time but all of those things are now suffering because those people aren't there that foot traffic doesn't exist anymore and that has created a lot of issues now in my opinion that's not a terrible thing because people are now able to have A better work-life balance I mean think about it if your job was to visit accounts in other cities and now you're not traveling yeah airlines are fucking hurting and they're hurting hard so our hotels and all the other businesses around there think about the work-life balance you can actually do the same job you were doing before from home or just by visiting or traveling a fraction a minimal small fraction of the time that is creating a lot of problems for a lot of businesses as i just mentioned but there is a positive side to it and what it happens is what is what needs to happen is that we need to reinvent ourselves
2: I mean, dave like that's kind of, that's right. kind of what that's the opportunity for all of us as an industry and that's what we're trying to do at thirst right it's like let's organize to protect these cities I mean really and, and you know for anybody who's listening to this if you want to get involved you know hit hit me up at nate at drift or, or Claire Burton Lang or, or Dave or, or, or Aaron Lamprecht in Texas um, but you know or if you if you can even just take 60 seconds of your time and sign up for our Army org slash get involved thirstgroup.org slash get involved and just learn more about what you can do and you know i won't you know there's things we can do together to make a difference because at the end of the day bars and restaurants make houston they make new york city they make downtown los angeles they make you know a, you know they make the benson district in omaha like they make all these cool parts of the country and the world and at the end of the day we need to protect that that is our cultural heritage and we need to and that's a big part of like our offline communities and our democracy and we need to we need to protect that and one way we can do it is to make sure that the insurance market functions properly and that when bad shit happens like these bars and restaurants can have the best shot they possibly can of staying alive
0: okay well is there anything else you guys want to add to this
1: I just want to really hammer home as someone who is still new to this. I, I mentioned earlier, I was about a month in, just the, if you want to help out and you really have no idea how, I email Nate, that is all I did. And there is so much support within the group and people, I mean, everyone in the group who's, I mean, everyone's, this is, it's all about volunteer hours and everyone is willing to help out. I mean, I've never everyone's responding to emails and getting back to me and on any of these standing calls that we have always offering support i mean it is really it's i mean just just do it just sign up and say i just want to get involved i mean
0: i really appreciate um you guys taking the time to uh to talk to me about this because uh again i think this is really truly important work and uh it's long overdue
2: thanks david all right yeah thanks david I really appreciate it. It's been it's been an honor and, and great to, great to see your face and chat as always. And Likewise,
0: yeah. <laughs> I hope to do it. So there you have it. There is the thirst group. Uh, they're advocating for small businesses in the hospitality industry um, for them to be able to get the um, the insurance uh, coverage that they're due. Um, as Nate mentioned uh, unequivocally. The uh, entire industry decided not to pay these uh, these um, these claims. The other thing I want to I want to press again is that we have to reinvent ourselves because uh, when you think about the way that we were working, and when you think about the possibilities based on the on the reality that we have lived over the last six months, for some people, the travel and being away from their families is uh, it has proven to be not critical not as necessary as we once thought and what that can bring is a better uh, family time um, better uh, work life balance even if you don't have a family it's just better for your mental health and the fact is is that a lot of what we're going through right now today in this country is because of poor mental health you've seen it you've seen it you've seen you've seen the, the protests on both sides you've seen the the, the cult-like following for the president um, and on the other side you've seen the pain that people are going through because of being treated so poorly based on the ideas that other people have of them and I mean police The police believe that someone is a threat they can just kill them and that's it i mean look into this yourself all that matters is that they fear that they feel fear and in their training they're given scenarios to where things could happen if a person has poor mental health because look at look at how many wellness checks end up in people being shot and i'm not just putting this on the police the police are not the to blame for everything bad in society a lot of it falls on us for allowing these things to just creep and a lot of that crept not because we were just lazy it was because we were preoccupied we were too busy at work to pay attention to the policies that our politicians were putting in place and so this is important. Do not allow things to go back to, to the way they were. A distracted population is easy to manipulate, and again, we have seen it. We are witnessing it. We are living it. this is This is a country with poor mental health, is so damaged that people are justifying um, you know murder and 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 accepting the death toll of covid just because people are going to die anyways you know so be it. it is such a small percentage of the population i mean that's at least in texas that's what was said about children you know uh, betsy Duvois said that about children so i'm not going to make it about that right now but what i'm saying to you is that small businesses are suffering right now and although we have an obligation to reinvent ourselves I believe that these insurance companies have an obligation to these small businesses to pay out what they owe them in order for these businesses to either be able to stay open uh, to have something to to have money to re- open a different business after this is done or simply to to pivot the same business or a different one but to reinvent themselves right when you cash strap that is extremely difficult to do so make sure that you go to the website all the links are going to be uh on there i wish that i could put a link up to the uh to the video we talked about it. i think i edited it out but it's there's this video that i came across on uh, it wasn't buzzfeed it was actually complex the um the the Instagram account where is these three girls waitresses that when they you can see that they one of them is coming on to the shift about to clock in and the friends uh, see them and they start jumping up and down they're all happy and it's this family and and true friendship that occurs in our industry i have friends to this day from years ago 10 15 years ago so This is important. Get involved. Do not wait for things to be severe. We are already living in an extreme world, in extreme country. It's time to get involved. So you can find the most current episodes at openbar.space. You can also uh, find uh, the Instagram account at openbar.space. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Alexa, TuneIn, um, iHeartRadio, just about anywhere that you can find your favorite or that you listen to your favorite shows. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.